0: As the season changes, the leaves turn and mornings are crisp. We Phoenicians look forward to turning on our heaters, wearing fuzzy socks and sweaters. We are grateful that the blistering days of seemingly endless summer are, in fact, over. Yes, yes, it's not that cold, but we joke that anything below 70 is freezing and reserve the right to bundle up excessively. At least I do. In addition to finally feeling like fall, thoughts of Thanksgiving, football, and shopping come to mind. there's a question yet to be answered on our podcast. Does Arizona have native wild turkeys? Welcome to Valley 101's Thanksgiving episode. I'm Kaylee Monaghan, your matradi for today, and I have five foul facts about Arizona turkeys that you probably don't know. Fact number one, Arizona does actually have native wild turkeys.
2: We do have three subspecies of wild turkeys in Arizona. Two of them are native to Arizona, and then the third one was brought in.
0: This is Rick Langley.
2: I've been working for Arizona Game and Fish Department for 29 and a half years now.
0: Rick is originally from Colorado and has a background in biology. When he came to Arizona, He started out as a wildlife manager, and that meant he was often out in the field.
2: Then, back in 2005, I took the game specialist position out of the Pine Top office. And then about two years ago, I promoted to the wildlife program manager position that supervises the game program, non-game program, and a landowner relations position. This pine top office oversees kind of the eastern and northeastern part of Arizona.
0: He said he never expected to remain in Arizona.
2: But, you know, now dang near 30 years later, I'm still here and still having fun. And I love this part of the state.
0: I caught up with Rick remotely to talk some turkey. As he explained earlier, Arizona has three subspecies of the bird.
2: Merriam's wild turkeys were always here in Arizona, and they occur across the Mogollon Rim that was their historic habitat. They've expanded to other parts of the state, like around Prescott and the North Kaibab, mostly by our reintroduction efforts to those areas but this was always their historic range. Then we have Gould's wild turkeys, which were reintroduced into Arizona in 2003. And they were historically in Arizona in kind of the Southern Sky Island mountain ranges. And then they were basically extirpated from Arizona kind of during settlement days. The third subspecies is the Rio Grande wild turkey. And they were introduced into the small northwest corner of Arizona um, from birds in Utah. So they're kind of up in that country that they call the Arizona Strip, just in a small mountain range up around Black Rock Mountain, which is just south of the border with Nevada and Utah.
0: Turkeys, it turns out, are a really successful bird. You can find them across North and Central America.
2: They're in 49 of the 50 states right now, Alaska being the only state that does not have wild turkeys, but they've been introduced into Hawaii. But there are five different subspecies in the U.S. There is the eastern wild turkey, which is from back east. There is the Osceola wild turkey, which is in the southern half of Florida. And then there's the Rio Grande wild turkey, which, of course, we have some in northwestern Arizona. But they are, you know, originally were kind of considered the, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, in that kind of that South Central U.S. And then, of course, as we've already mentioned, the Miriams, which is mainly found in the Western U.S. now, and then the Gould's wild turkey, which is really isolated here in Southern, Southeastern Arizona and Southwestern New Mexico. There's been, of course, a pretty good population in in Mexico as well.
0: But turkeys were almost wiped out, and this was due, in part, to being gobbled up. Which leads us to turkey fact number two there are now roughly 7 million wild turkeys roaming the U.S. But let's dig into how turkeys almost went extinct. By the early 20th century, wild turkeys nearly disappeared due to overhunting and habitat loss. Of course, turkeys are considered tasty by humans and predators alike, but their feathers were also desired by the fashionable, particularly for ladies' hats. By the 1930s, wild turkeys were non-existent in 18 states. The birds had been reduced to only 2% of their original population size, from about 10 million birds to only 200,000. I should note that this is actually the second time turkeys were on the brink of extinction. The paleontological record shows that turkeys were abundant in the Americas 11 million years ago, but they were pretty much wiped out in the megafaunal extinction some 10 to 12,000 years ago. jumping back to recent history wild turkeys were saved from total extinction due to the efforts of the wild turkey federation and the national wildlife federation which worked with government agencies as well here's rick again
2: in the early 1900s there were very few wild turkeys in the US you know, from colonization and unregulated hunting as, as the US was settled they really took a pretty big hit and they're one of those success stories to see the restoration of wild turkeys across the US and they are hunted in all of the states now they are well established in many places they even have become a nuisance because they will get habituated to human food sources like bird seed and things like that and I mean you don't have to google very far to find out you know problems with you know, male turkeys, you know, those gobblers or toms, you know, chasing the UPS driver, the mailman, and coming up to their were fighting their reflection in your car door and tearing up your car and things like that. And an angry bird is running afoul, forgive me, in Washington, D.C. Gigantic turkey just kind of like jumps up towards my face to kind of like almost clog me in the face.
0: Whoa! Okay, seriously, this turkey has been stocking the mail truck throughout the entire neighborhood. This turkey will not let me get back in my mail truck.
3: I've got to reload my mail.
0: Okay, so now that we've learned that turkeys are native to Arizona, I felt it was very important to meet some of these turkeys. And it turns out the Phoenix Zoo actually has a trio of Gold's turkeys. So naturally, I hopped in my car and drove over.
3: Hi, Kyle. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How, How you too? doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well.
0: Kyle Waits is a senior bird manager at the Phoenix Zoo. He works mainly with the Arizona birds and a few of the Africa trail birds. After speaking even just a few minutes with Kyle, it was abundantly clear. He is a bird nerd. And he even fessed up to it proudly.
3: I am a bona fide bird nerd.
0: And he is the perfect person to baste us with some turkey terms.
3: Oh, there's a lot of fun little facts about them in terms of just their their oddities, like the beard and their their facial, you know, um, little wrinkles and stuff like that that all have separate names.
0: Okay, pause. It's time for turkey fact number three. Wild turkeys have beards.
2: So literally out of the center of their chest.
0: This is Rick Langley again.
2: They have like long hair-like modified feathers that are, it's a beard. And the hens can also grow those as well. Sometimes a mature tom might have multiple beards. I think I've seen some pictures of wild turkeys having as many as 10 beards coming out of a small area. A quick
0: lesson in turkey terminology. Male turkeys are called toms or gobblers. Female turkeys are called hens. Turkey chicks are poults, like in poultry. And a young male turkey is called a jack. Regardless if they're toms or hens, Turkeys take no-shave November very seriously. The bird with the best beard usually wins the mating game, after all. All Alright, back to the zoo. The three turkeys there are siblings, a male and two females and they share their enclosure with a very vocal raven. As we approached, the male turkey came Something right up like to that. see what and we were about. Separate
3: names, and... So who's this one? Um, he doesn't really have a name. Uh, I think a lot of people just call him various things. Uh, my main thing for him is Mac, because he likes to be a very stand upish in your face guy, but then he's really uh, a pansy when it comes down to it. Look at that.
0: Interesting? I don't
3: know man. Don't know. It's not food. It's not interesting. <laughs> as you can see his uh, you know, the red kinda is coming through and that's just when he gets excited, the blood starts flowing in there and
0: Mac has an impressive head with deep blue, purple, and red skin that looked almost neon as he stared at my mic. Mac didn't seem interested in voicing his opinions during the interview. In fact, wild turkeys aren't really noisy birds. After all, you don't want to attract the attention of predators. When they do make noises, they can produce a wide range of sounds, including clucks and purrs and little grumbles, and of course, gobbles. And since Mac decided his voice was too pure for this recording, please enjoy these wild turkey sounds I found on YouTube. Max's coloration was mostly black with a few dark brown feathers and had a sheen of iridescence.
3: Most of them have that very typical iridescent feathers where they just, you know, hit the sun in a different way and reflect the light. Um, so they're really fascinating in that sense. Their colors are, are gorgeous no matter what.
0: Speaking of feathers, adult turkeys can have five to 6,000 of them. Kyle points out some other key turkey features.
3: You can see his uh, waddle, which is everyone's very familiar with that, the little piece of uh, skin that comes down beneath the chin. Uh And then he has that piece that hangs over his uh, nose there that kind of dangles down. That's called a snood. And then all the little wrinkles that he has on the back of his neck and kind of those little round ones down Mm -hmm. low on his neck, those are called caruncles. Um, so that's your little, you know, turkey fact for the day.
0: <laughs> for uncles, Yep. That is a fantastic word. And oh.
3: then as you mentioned, his wonderful beard. He has a fantastic beard. Some turkeys have just kind of a little small short beard and um, he really has a nice long one. He's really feeling, you know, the, the modern age with the beards. <laughs> Are
0: you a hipster? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> turkey fact number four. Mexico domesticated turkeys first. We have already established that wild turkeys have a broad range from North America on down to Central America. Kyle explained that the Gould's turkey, which the zoo owns, has a territory that's mostly in Mexico.
3: And that was because back before Europeans came over to the South America, you had obviously the Aztecs and the Incas, and because those birds would kind of roam through their territories, they ended up starting to uh, realize that they can bring these birds in and keep them in captivity. and make a a nice little way to eat food and have it um, sustained so they don't have to go out and hunt constantly. So that began the role of the domestication with turkeys and actually what was funny is the Europeans that were up in the New England area had previously gotten the turkeys from the um, Aztec region in South America and Mexico and brought them over before they realized that there were turkeys roaming around in the areas that they were already in. So that domesticated turkey kind of became the main focus of the domestication. There are different uh, species nowadays, or subspecies rather, that uh, are domesticated, but most of them derive from that uh, South Mexican species. Mexico
0: also played a role in providing individual birds to the U.S. when populations were decimated in the early 20th century. So, as we gather around the dinner table, we can add a gracias to Mexico for helping save North America's turkeys. fact number five turkeys weren't always associated with thanksgiving now numerous articles magazine columns and research has been done on this topic you could do a quick google search and find a plethora of information but we're here to stuff you with turkey facts and i would be remiss to not include this important one Turkey became a popular dish to serve on special days or holidays around the turn of the 1800s. Reasons for this include that the bird was plentiful during that time. Domesticated turkeys were readily available on many family farms. And it was better to kill a turkey for dinner rather than a productive cow or chicken. And also, turkeys were usually big enough to feed a family. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, some researchers credit Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with propagating the idea of turkey as a holiday meal. However, there's another writer who some argue played an even bigger role in popularizing turkey for holiday dinner. Sarah Josephina Hale's 1827 novel Northwood has an entire chapter describing a New England Thanksgiving, including a key moment where a roasted turkey is placed at the head of the table. Mrs. Hale was also at the forefront of the campaign to make Thanksgiving a recognized national holiday in the U.S. She believed that establishing the holiday would help unify a country that was teetering on the edge of civil war. Her efforts eventually paid off in 1863 when then-President Abraham Lincoln announced the holiday in his 118th proclamation.
1: Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November next, as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they may be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe.
0: Now, this goose is almost cooked. And please, don't forgive the pun. All this turkey talk has me wondering how wild turkey tastes. Perhaps you know. Arizona Game and Fish's Rick Langley also knows. He said he tries to nab a wild turkey at least once a year. As for the taste?
2: They taste similar. I will say that. They do not taste exactly the same. It's a very lean meat, of course, as most wild game is compared to their domestic counterparts. They tend to be a little bit tougher because their life depends on their ability to fly and get away from predators. So they just are not as tender. They're not going to be as juicy and fat as, say, a domestic turkey would be. And they're definitely not as big as as a domestic turkey. I hunted turkeys in quite a few states. Every year I try to hunt in another state because it can be hard to draw a turkey tag here in Arizona and the limited population that we do have, but I love them. I think it's delicious. You just have to cook it a little bit differently than you would a domestic bird, ensuring that it's kept moist and typically cooked a little bit longer so that it's not drying out and being tough. But one of the best recipes I've had was taking the drumsticks and thighs and putting them in, in the Instapot for a couple hours, and then pulling all the meat off of them and making the turkey enchiladas out of it. that meat. It's delicious. I mean, and the breasts are always great. You can cut them into thinner strips and, you know, basically pan fry them as well. And it's really good meat.
0: Ugh, so hungry. If you want to try your hand at hunting a wild turkey, you can try your luck at getting a hunting permit. Here in Arizona, since our turkey populations are not enormous, there's a limit on how many turkeys can be caught. Rick says that for the fall hunt, which is now over, Arizona Game and Fish offered 4,600 permits. For the upcoming spring hunt, there'll be 5,200 permits. And if you do manage to catch a turkey, our friend from the taxidermy episode would be happy to stuff your prize after you finish enjoying the inside. Now that we've basted together in more turkey facts than you ever wanted to know, we here on Valley of 101 would like to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Valley 101 listeners. It's Amanda Luberto. We are so thankful for you here at the Arizona Republic podcast team, and I hope that you have a lovely Thanksgiving holiday.
2: Hey there, Valley 101 fans. Thomas France here, wishing everyone a fun-filled Thanksgiving with family and friends.
0: And I'd like to add that I'm so thankful to all you listeners. You are what makes this podcast so interesting. Your questions and curiosity, feedback and support help me and my fellow producers create a truly local experience for you. Remember to send us your questions about Metro Phoenix or Arizona at large. Maybe there's a story you've heard and want to know more about it. You could share all of that with us at valley101.azcentral.com. You can also stay abreast of all our podcast work by following us at AZC Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Kaylee Monahan. Have a very happy and warm Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week in the end zone.